You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Matthew chapter 8. The second version is in Mark chapter 4. And the third version is in Luke chapter 8. They're all in your King James Bible. We will read complementary accounts of an interesting story in the life of the Lord Jesus. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 23. And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. Hey, I like that. Disciples ought to follow Jesus. There's a novel idea. And behold, there rose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful? O ye of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the man marveled. These are his disciples, his chosen twelve, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Mark chapter 4 and verse 35, if you would please. And the same day when the evening was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over into the other side. And when they'd sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they wake him and say to him, Master, <coughs> carest thou not that we perish? And he rose and rebuked the wind and spoke unto the sea, said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith and they feared exceedingly. I'm always intrigued when I read that. First he says, why are you fearful? And then they feared. Slow learners, like a lot of us. And said one to another, what manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? And then Luke chapter 8 and verse 22. I do apologize for reading so much scripture. Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples and he said unto them, let us go over into the other side of the lake and they launched forth. <coughs> but as they sailed, he fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water and they ceased and there was a calm. And he said unto them, where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this, or is that? Or is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your faithful people, this excellent Sunday night crowd. Thank you for this wonderful church. And my privilege to be with my friend, Brother Coburnett. What a delight to see how you're using him and his wife and family. And I pray that I'd be a blessing to this church, but Lord, I'm aware I can no more help them than you help me. Please direct me and empower me and fill me with your spirit that you would use me as an instrument to accomplish your purpose in every life 
And I promise we'll give you all the praise for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount. Then he performed three miracles, and after that, he said, hey, let's get in this boat, cross the Sea of Galilee, and get to the other side. When he got there, there was somebody who needed him, the maniac of Gadara. Uh, after that maniac was delivered of the demons, he wanted to follow Jesus, and Jesus said, no, stay home and tell everybody what great things God has done for you, and he did. When the, when the Lord Jesus went that time, they asked him to leave. They besought him to leave his coast. The next time he came, they ran to meet him. I can't help but think it was the testimony of the maniac that changed the hearts of those people. So they're on a mission, and the Lord Jesus says, let's get in the boat. Sea of Galilee is about eight miles wide, about 13 miles long. It is surrounded largely by hills, and the wind over time has etched gullies down those hills so that it is not at all unusual for the wind to whip down and a storm to come up suddenly on the lake. Now, the Jews, by and large, were not seagoing people. They were land-loving people. But four of these disciples were expert sailors. Andrew, Peter, James, John made their living on that very body of water. Usually, I imagine in a boat that if not extremely similar, maybe even identical to the one that they're in right now. And as they start to travel, a terrible storm comes up. It's so bad that even the expert sailors are scared to death. Literally. Master, we perish. We're going to die. Now why? They were in the will of God. They followed the command of the Lord Jesus. <clears throat> they were obedient to their master, and a storm came up. I thought if you were in the will of God, everything was always perfect. I saw that in the hooky pooky station. They said that if, if, you, if you were right with God, you'd always have lots of money, your car would never run out of gas, your tires would never go flat, your wife would be sweet, your husband would do everything on the honey-do list, your children would be obedient, and your dog would never get fleas. Especially if you sent them money. But these disciples are in the will of God and a terrible storm comes up. Why? What's the reason for the storm? I'm going to give you two reasons. You do not have to believe the first one. I think it makes sense. It was suggested by my favorite Bible commentator, John Phillips. John Phillips died as a member of Bobby Robertson's church. That brilliant man put himself under the leadership of a preacher who had never finished the eighth grade. John Phillips pointed out that in the Gospel of Mark, the Bible says the Lord rebuked the wind and he said to the waves. He said that word rebuke is almost always used in the New Testament of an unclean spirit. So he suggested that the storm was inspired by Satan. Now, we know the devil is the prince of the power of the air, not of the earth, the air. Uh, the devil doesn't have claim to one square inch of God's good earth. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But it's the prince of the power of the air. We know that he likes to cause us trouble. We saw this morning what he did for Job. We know he's the accuser of the brethren. So I think it's probable that the storm is inspired by Satan. But whether you believe that or not, you've got to believe the second reason. It was not only inspired by Satan, it was instructive for the saints. Did you notice the disciples, they're the Lord's most faithful followers. They hear the explanation to the parables that the crowds don't always get to hear. They're with him every day. They see him every evening. 
They hear his voice regularly. And they knew that he could make blind people see and lame people walk. He could make lepers to be cleansed and deaf people to hear. But they are about to find out, they're about to find out something else. They had no idea he could control the very elements of the earth. And when he does, they say, wow. What manner of man is this? Hey, you know, people say, well, the Lord was testing me to see whether I would be faithful during that trial. Um, wrong. No, the Lord wasn't trying to see anything. Dr. Hudson used to say, Dr. Curtis Hudson, did it ever occur to you that nothing ever occurred to God? God never said, well, looky there. Never saw that before. No, no, no. When the storm was over, the Lord Jesus did not know one thing about the disciples. He had not known before, but the disciples knew a whole lot more about Jesus. And I would remind you, church, every trial, every test, every temptation, every tribulation is designed to draw us closer to and teach us more about our God. The reason for the storm who was inspired by Satan was instructive for the saints but I want you to notice the response to the storm. The disciples are scared. Scared to death. My friend Brother Chapel was taken by his grandfather years ago in the Gulf of Mexico on a fishing trip with some family members, and a bad storm came up, really bad, and the captain was working at the wheel to get the ship back to port, and uh, his grandfather said, Sir, have you ever been in a storm this bad before? He said, Si, senor, but in a much bigger boat. <laughs> it's a bad one. They're scared. Wow. And the Lord Jesus, the second response, is sleeping. Does it ever seem to you that Jesus is asleep when you're in a storm? Now, here's what's interesting. As you read the stories, when he went to sleep, it didn't bother anybody. Nobody said, Lord, stay awake. We're going to need you. We need your help. I worked for a moving company one summer. I, I was talking to the brother who, uh, Ewer, who was a truck driver, and uh, I, I would—I uh, never drove a semi. I drove a straight truck some, but mostly I just loaded the trucks. But but when I would ride on an overnight trip, the driver always wanted me to stay awake. I said they're paying you extra to drive, and they're not paying me any extra. He—he uh, he wanted me to stay awake. Well, I'm gonna help watch the road. I'm gonna help keep, keep him awake. Well, I'm gonna talk to him. Uh, nobody said a word when Jesus went to sleep. You see, they'd crossed the Sea of Galilee many times. It was a common journey. It was ordinary for of their sailors. Here's what we think. We think, wow, this is a really big problem. I need God for this one. You do. You need God when your house is about to be repossessed. You need God when the doctor says it's malignant. You need God when your marriage is breaking apart and your children are running back into the world. You need God when your finances are a mess. You need God when everything is falling apart in your life. But you need God when there's money in the bank and your house is paid off and the children are healthy and everybody is happy and everything's going your way. You always need God. The songwriter had it right when he said, I need thee every hour. Uh, Ron Hamilton said it. I need you when the sea is calm. I need you when the wind is blowing strong. The Lord Jesus is sleeping. Didn't bother anybody at first. And it looks to me 
like he went to sleep on purpose. As a matter of fact, I would suggest to you that everything our Lord ever did and ever does, he does on purpose. Now, I've had people sleep when I preach. I never fuss at them. Because I believe in the law of sowing and reaping. I worked my way through school. I remember one year, <clears throat> I worked every other night as a night watchman from uh, one night, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Next night off, next night, 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. I also worked at a mattress factory, four hours a day, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, eight hours on Tuesday and Thursday, sometimes four hours Saturday morning, and I was tired. I was tired all the time. I'm glad you use hymn books, you know. I, I don't mind having the words on the screen, but I like hymn books because I perfected the art of putting my elbow on a hymn book resting my chin on my fist and sleeping in an upright position. <laughs> so I am owed people sleeping while I preach. I did hear about a preacher. I had one old guy always went to sleep every Sunday and the preacher just had it. He said to his wife, you watch, I'm going to get him next week. He waited the guy was sleeping real well and he said, everybody who wants to go to heaven when you die, would you please raise your hand? But they all raised their hands except the guy was sleeping. Then the preacher said, Everybody wants to go to hell when you die. Would you please stand up? The old guy woke up. He jumped to his feet. <laughs> he looked around a little bit and he said, Preacher, I don't know what it is we're voting on, but it looks like you and me are the only ones for it. <laughs> but I have never had anybody bring a pillow to church, put it down on the pew, and lie down and go to sleep, and Jesus is asleep on a pillow. The disciples are scared. The Lord Jesus is sleeping, responds to the storm, but wait a minute. The ship, now the Bible says, says the ship was covered, it says it was full of water. Anybody on a boat? Peter on a boat. It's okay. I'm not preaching against it. I've owned boats. I've known the two happiest days of a boat owner. The day I bought my boat and the day I sold my boat. Any boat gets a little water in it. You got a 16-foot aluminum boat with a 25-horse fishing motor on it. You've got a milk jug you cut out and you scrape it along the bottom to get the water out. You got a bigger boat. It's got a bilge pump. And there's a system designed. The water runs under the floor, between the floor and the hull, goes to the back of the ship. There's kind of like a miniature sump pump that throws the water out. Any boat's going to get some water. But there's hardly a boat in the world that is designed to operate full of water. You get most of any boat full of water, except maybe a Boston whaler, and that boat is going to sink. But not this ship. No, the disciples are scared. The Lord is sleeping, but the ship is safe. You know why? Because Jesus is in the boat. Hey, you better be sure you're in the boat with Jesus. You can make it through all the storms of life if Jesus is in the boat with you. We used to sing when I was a boy in junior church with Christ in the vessel. I can smile at the storm. We used to sing, Master, the tempest is raging. The billows are drawing nigh. But the song went on to say, No tempest can swallow the ship. Where lies the master of ocean and earth and skies. Yeah. The ship Amen. is safe. Yeah. Amen. Good. Reason for the storm. Inspired by Satan. Instructive for the saints. Response to the storm. Disciples scared. Lord sleeping. Boat safe. But then notice there's a rebuke in the storm. There is first a calming rebuke. The Lord Jesus speaks and he says, Peace. Be still. And as fast as it started, the storm is over. Wow. Amen. 
all those things that bother you and worry you and trouble you, they could be done as fast as they started. A calming rebuke. Then there's a convicting rebuke. And the Lord Jesus rebukes the disciples about two things. Number one, he rebukes them about fear. Why are you so afraid? Interesting. I mean, I would think the answer is obvious. They're afraid of the storm. They're afraid of drowning. They're afraid of dying. They're afraid of the ship being overturned. But the Lord Jesus knew all that, and he said, why? Why? Do you know the Bible says God has not given us the spirit of fear? Amen. I, uh, I think there's a lot more fear in society than there was 20 years ago. I think the government, at least some parts of it, like to have you afraid of something in order to control you. The guy who wrote Jurassic Park, Michael Crichton, wrote a secular book, not a Christian book, uh, called The State of Fear, and he talks about that. Sometimes it may be global warming they use. Sometimes it may be COVID they use. I think COVID's engendered a lot of fear. Yeah. If you're listening by live stream, I don't know who you are, and I may be out of line, but I think the Lord wants me to say this. Maybe it's time to get back to church. Now, my pastor, I like what he says. He says, uh, he says, some of you have underlying conditions. You're scared. He said, I understand that. I respect that. He said, all I ask is that you be consistent. He says, if you don't go to church, don't go to Walmart either. <laughs> hey, I've been to Walmart, and I've been to your church. Your church is cleaner, and the clientele is much sharper <laughs> at your church than at Walmart. If I was scared of anybody, it wouldn't be this crowd. Hey, what scares you? What keeps you awake at night? What nags at the back of your mind? What lurks in the recesses of your thought process that always bothers you and worries you? Is it running out of money? Is it your spouse leaving you? Is it losing your job? Is it uh, uh, some disease? And the Lord says to you, why? Yeah. Why? Why? Well, brother, well, that, I mean, the doctor said it might be serious. So? Well, I got to go back. Well, then what? Well, it, it, might, be, it might be bad. Well, well, then what? Well, it might be a disease. Yeah, well, then what? Well, I mean, it might, uh, I might get really sick. Yeah, well, then what? Well, I might die. Well, then what? Huh? Hey, let me help you. You will die. Sure. I'll die. Unless we're alive when the Lord Jesus returns. It is appointed in the man once to die. That's right. <laughs> and then what? <laughs> John Rice, founder of the sword of the Lord, had a man come up, stick a gun in his stomach, and say, I'm going to blow your brains out. <laughs> okay, not a biology major. John Rice never flinched. He looked at that man. He said, you can't scare me with heaven. Huh. I don't care how long I live. I think I'll live a long time. My dad lived to be 91. My mom only died at the age of 79 in surgery because they gave her a medicine to which she was allergic. But I don't know. I just pray this, that my days be no longer than my usefulness. 
I'd rather die at 70 active than die at 90 having spent 10 years in a bed somewhere. It's up to the Lord, but that's my preference. Why are you afraid? Monroe Parker, great evangelist of the past, got on a train to do a meeting in Kentucky out in the hills where the police didn't go. The old preacher picked him up in the car, 72 years old. The young preacher picked him up in the car and he said, hurry, Dr. Parker, get in the car. He said, there's going to be trouble. He got in the car. He said, the last evangelist was here while he was at the pulpit. They shot him, killed him. He said, the same bullet killed him, went through his body, hit his wife at the piano and killed her too. They had a prayer meeting that Saturday night and they were praying like this. Oh God, don't let Dr. Parker die. Oh God, don't let Dr. Parker die. I think you probably looked this sermon up on the internet. It's called the 23rd Psalm by Monroe Parker. And Dr. Parker said, you could hear my fervent amens intermingled with their prayers. It's a tough meeting. Some guys with six guns on stood in the back with their arms crossed, daring the preacher to say anything they didn't like. One night during the service, one of those guys turned the lights off. They beat up that old pastor. They broke his glasses. They stole his fountain pen. When the lights came back on, Monroe Parker had had enough. He was a very strong man. He played football, Thomasville, Alabama, uh, high school and college. Monroe Parker used to do a headstand and then do push-ups. Go on and try that. We'll know tomorrow by the neck braces who attempted... <laughs> I mean, Roe Parker picked up the pulpit and he set it aside and he said, you bunch of cowards. Beat up an old man in the dark. Break his glasses. Steal his fountain pen. He said, everybody's saying, oh God. Hey, first he said, you guys go on with your six guns pointed at your heels. You better be careful. They might go off accidentally and blow your brains out. <laughs> Biology was apparently not widely taught in those days at all. And then he said, everybody's saying, oh, God, don't let Dr. Parker die. Oh, God, don't let Dr. Parker die. He said, you can't kill me. I'm going to live as long as God lives. Hey, so am I. And so are you if you're saved. Amen. Why are you afraid? Amen. Well, the psalmist said, one time I'm afraid I'll trust in thee. But he said again, I will trust and never be afraid. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And then he rebuked them about faith. And I like this question the best of the three that were given. The Lord Jesus not only said, how is it that you have no faith? He said, where is your faith? Amen. That's interesting. Everybody has faith. How many when you drove here tonight... We came to an intersection that had a green light. Did that happen to anybody? Green light? No green lights? Okay, a few green lights. No, not many lights, all right? <laughs> I know what you did when you came to the green light. You slowed way down. You looked both directions real intently, and you gently eased through the intersection. Didn't you? No, you didn't. You just drove on through. You didn't even look to see who was in the other lanes that were supposed to be stopping at the light that was red on their side of the street. As a matter of fact, some of you saw the light start to turn yellow and mashed down on the accelerator and slipped on through. Now, you don't even know who's in those other cars. There could have been teenagers in those cars. But you had faith that complete strangers would stop at a red light. And you drove through. Uh, 
Preacher, who made these pews? Well, Brother Askew, you've been here a while. Who made these pews? Well, how much weight are they rated for? Well, are you sure they're going to hold you up? What if you're sitting there and that pew broke? I mean, it'd be embarrassing. Now, you're in a place where people love you, they would help you, they'd take care of you, right after they took your picture and put it on Instagram. <laughs> but you just came, sat down, nobody looked at the bottom, nobody tested it first, and some of you came and plopped down. You had faith that the pew would hold you up. And the Lord Jesus said, where is your faith? Is it in the money you have in the bank? Is it in the job that you have? Is it in your ability to earn a living with your head or your hands? Is it in your spouse caring for you? Is it in the government pension? Is it in some outside source? The Bible says have faith in God. Where's your faith? Now let me talk to you about faith. We think faith is it'll be okay. God will take care of it. There's no problem. And there are people who seem to have that kind of faith. But there was a man in the New Testament came to the Lord Jesus and he said, Lord, I believe, help thou mine. Huh? That's like saying, Lord, I'm fat, help thou my skinniness. I'm hairy, help thou my boldness. I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Remember the three Hebrew children? Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, which thou hast prepared, and he will deliver us, O king. I love it. But the next three words out of their mouths were, but if not, he will. But if he doesn't, huh? You guys, Ananias, Hezariah, Mishael, are you sure? Yes, we're sure. Really? Absolutely, sort of. Faith is not the absence of doubt. Faith is obeying God in spite of your doubt. In this meeting, it is likely the Spirit of God will ask you to take a step forward that will require faith. That's good. Hey, what are you doing right now that requires faith? You know, I like to figure everything out. I worked pastoring 44 years. Most of the time I traveled every week and preached. I put out a paper called the Preacher Page, Preacher's Page. I, for a long time, wrote an article every issue of the Sword of the Lord. Wrote an article, still do, for the Baptist Voice when it comes out. I, I was busy. And every once in a while, I'd get my schedule figured out. I'm going to do this this day, that that day. I said, okay, I got it. And just about that time, the Lord would come and say, hey, I want you to do this too. I'd say, Lord, I just had that figured out. It's like the Lord would say, yeah, you had it figured out. I don't want you living by your figuring. I want you living by faith. You see, the Bible says without faith, it is difficult to please God. No. It says without faith, it is impossible to please God. He rebuked him about fear and about faith. So, What's the story teach us? Let me give you some reminders. Here's one reminder. Storms are normal. You can be in the will of God and be in the middle of a storm. You can be in the boat with Jesus and in a terrible storm. Don't you let the devil tell you, uh, like Job's friends tried to tell him, that if you're right with God, you won't ever have any difficulty. Storms are normal. 
Uh, number two, the devil can rock your boat, but he cannot sink your ship. <laughs> and number three, if you're in the boat with Jesus, you'll survive storms that would sink anybody else. And then I want you to notice this. Fear is normal, but it's never necessary. You can say what time I'm afraid I'll trust, or you can say I'll trust and never be afraid. And then I want you to notice this. It is sinful not to operate by faith. Right. I've never been to a movie in my life. When I was a little boy growing up, Christians did not go to movies. They just didn't. I mean, if I was in public school in Detroit and a kid was going to movies, I just figured he wasn't saved. I mean, I wasn't judgmental. I just, Christians didn't go to movies. Now, I know some Christians go to movies these days. And to be fair, Hollywood is way more clean and decent now than it was when I was a little boy. But I read about this movie one time. I read about Superman. I knew about Superman. Superman is faster than a speeding bullet and more powerful than a locomotive. He's able to leap tall buildings at a single bound, otherwise known as a church secretary. And it's said that in this movie, Superman went down and rescued a guy from a burning building. And he's flying. He's way high. He's going way fast. And the guy looks down. The buildings look like they're made of Legos and the people look like they're ants. And he gets scared. And Superman got mad at him. He said, hey, I didn't fly all the way down there, pull you out of a burning building just to drop you on the way home. I wonder if the Lord Jesus doesn't look at his children. Where is your faith? Why are you so afraid? I wonder if he doesn't say, I didn't pull you out of the miry clay and deliver you from the pit and set your feet on a rock and establish your goings and put a new song in your mouth. I didn't wash your sins away by the blood of my son. I did not indwell you with my spirit. I did not write down your name in the Lamb's book of life in indelible ink just to drop you on the way home. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.